Welcome to episode 888 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio Tim, welcome along to episode 888 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsman and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? Um, bloody brilliant. I, I've been sick, actually. Oh, no. Yeah, on my birthday, I was sick. Oh, dear. Did nothing. We, we, we got DoorDash. Do, do, do you need anything like that? No. Like It's like an Uber Eats. Oh, no. Uh, well, we only... I, I refuse to eat No, this. you do it once, Sean, because they give you a discount and then you don't do it again. Yeah, I think we might have done it yeah, once. Yeah, it's that's easy. It. That's <laughs> that's, I'm going to show them who's bloody in charge here. Tell you what, you can drop some money because we got like a 20% Same. discount and we got we got like a 20% discount and free delivery. Nothing still costs us 60 bucks or something like that. Oh. Just for some take... No, it was nice takeaways, but... Yeah. Back of that, yeah, we deleted the app straight away afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> don't gosh. worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't knock on the door either. What's all that about? Just left at your door today. Yeah, like, like you could see that was coming in the app, so we knew it was there, and they send you a photo that they've delivered it. Yeah, but ring the doorbell. God. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my life. Give them a two um, st- two star rating. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I delete the app. I am talking proudly brought to you by uh, awesome patrons. Uh, we've got Shane the Butler Reeves. He's going to be helping me out this weekend. Good man that he is. He's a good man, Shane. Uh, Luke the Brock. Gilmore. And then we've Gilmore. got uh, Kevin the Assassin Hunt, another good person as well. This week's show, we've got the news, we've got a hot topic of the week, we've got Age of the Week, Coach's Corner. Yeah, I'm just going to, I did an FTP test last week with my crew, uh, and I'm in pretty woeful shape, and yeah, just a little bit of, a few tips when you're coming back, when you've had a bit of a break in terms of how to set your FTP. And when you're not as good what you, as what you've been in the, in the last moment of your life. Uh, we're going to go the week, questions and answers at the end. Well, we're, we're in peak race season right now, aren't we, John? We are. This, this, this kind of eight-week period, six-week period, mm-hmm. is all Nuts. the best racing of the year. And last weekend, we had the PTO Asian Open, which was two weeks after the US Open. Is it next weekend? Or is it this weekend we've got the... Singapore, uh, the 70.3 Worlds coming up this weekend. Jeez. Um, and then so it's, it's like three, bang, weeks bang, to, bang. three weeks to... And then I think it's maybe only two weeks potentially so the it's either two or three Denise Kona's, Kona's win uh, October still it's still in October it's changed it's next year I think it's really late this year I think it's pretty normal okay so uh, let's let's dig into this race so venue was awesome god it was good it was way better than I expected I was kind of, I, when you see I, I thought it was going to be cool it's I, a great location yeah my expectation was it was going to be a flat bike course you know just on a flat dual carriageway and uh, the run would be some, probably on the same same course. That beautiful park. I was uh, I was wrong, because the swim, man, that was spectacular. The backdrop on that is yeah. never seen. Well, I wouldn't say I've never seen anything like it, but there's very few places that was really cool. The bike was way harder than everyone expected. I think the athletes included. Why? Lots of climbing, like lots of. It was the all bumps. on dual carriageway sort of stuff, but there was twists and turns and some quite steep climbs. You know, small chainring climbs for for a lot of the athletes. So uh, that was pretty cool. And then the run was just cool. It was right around the marina. There was lots of people, lots of sort of uh, landmarks and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, really high marks in terms of the the course. So let's talk about the female race first. So um, it seems like it's a pretty dominant 
performance. Well, that's the thing. When you just if, if you hadn't watched the race, which I haven't, which you haven't, um, you'd go, yes, it was. It was a really disappointing event because it could have been really, really cool. Because uh, Ashley Gently ended up winning really comfortably, but the problem was uh, Anne Haug, who was her main competitor, was closing in on it on the bike. She was probably only got to about within about thirty seconds, and then her. Uh, spear tube came off somehow and it got wrapped in her oh, um, in her rear cassette and on the other side in her disc brake and she lost about three minutes and that was the difference in the end because they Ran ended the up basically. running basically the same time and uh, yeah if, if was, was it would have been a really really cool race was that a common theme because I watched the I, I, I quickly went through the females and quickly went through the men's race on the kind of overview but it looked like even the men's race were lots of bike mechanics. Lots of punches. A re- real shame for our Kiwi Mike Phillips, who's his first time racing um, a PTO race, and he couldn't finish because he got lapped out because he spent about five minutes trying to get a, a puncture repaired, and there was a couple of other guys that got punctured. Yeah. The big thing here is you know, for the, for the lower-ranked athletes not to finish, it's a bloody expensive exercise going there. Because you get no money. Just finish, uh, you're basically getting 4000 US. Yeah, so um, which is the trip. pretty decent payday. You know, you could earn less than that of winning an Ironman. Yeah. Um, so that was a real shame. So yeah, the women's race ended up being a little bit uninteresting because it was pretty much all over once they got to the run. What about the race for second? Um, no, not much oh, of a race no, for second was, either. Yeah. Um, it was more a case of the race for sort of fifth. third, fourth, fifth. That yeah. was quite interesting. Um, but, but both Anne Haug and Ashley Gentle were fantastic. Good so Lucy Charles Barkley? Uh, she's been injured again. Okay. Uh, so I think she was happy enough that with that you know she she's had hardly done any running so i think she was happy enough imogene simons was probably performance of the day in fourth place but really good to see chelsea sodaro back in the game because she's had a few dnfs and uh and hasn't really showed much since kona um she did have a pretty good race i think it was at oceanside from memory um but yeah, good to see her back at the the right time of the season. Yeah, she got second at Ocean Sides. So that was pretty solid. With, with regards to these races, was there a limit to? Because I, I see that we, you know the few DNFs, basically twenty in the females and twenty in the men's. The future what, of the game is that certainly going to be twenty. That's it. Yep, 20, wow. 20 maximum at these races. Now this field hasn't been as stellar as like the US Open and the European Open. It's slightly, you know, five percent back. It's still a strong field. If we look at the strength of field from PTO, it's ninety one, which is still a strong field, but. Mm. Uh, the strongest field we see is about 94, 95, isn't it? Yeah, and it's basically comparable to what we're going to see at the the 70.3 World Champs this weekend. I think the men in it, in the World 70.3 Champs, the strength of field is 91, and I think the women is 92. Um, so, yeah, it's basically a, a World Championship strength field. Boys race, um, boys race was pretty interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, you had Peter Hemrick. I was actually messaging with Peter um, just before the race, sort of the week, before I was trying to get him on for an interview last week, but then he was travelling, he was going to be over there, it didn't happen, because I, th- I thought, oh, he might go pretty good here, and he, he got second, he was bloody leading off the bike, yeah. had a really, really good day, just can't match those uh, absolute speedsters. Still held on for second. Still held on, held on for second, which is brilliant. Uh, if, if, if you haven't followed this race, Christian Blumenfeld raced the uh, Paris Olympic test event on Friday, and then got on a plane straight after the race, and then went and raced on Sunday. Wow! And he did well at the Paris Test event. He didn't—I uh, can't remember—he was maybe somewhere about ninth, tenth, good something enough. like that. So pretty good, you know. Yeah. It, he's he's automatic selection anyway. But uh, then to get on the plane and, and then turn up and dominate, turn up and and race really, really well was pretty impressive. And now he's getting on another plane 
and turning around and going to 70.3 worlds. Oh, so it's as well. Yeah. So uh, if he can pull out. And then... Wins too much. And then he's going to do Super League. <laughs> Wins too much. I reckon what he's doing is... It seems too much, doesn't it? It seems too much. But um, he won. He's winning and he's going, just go. well, screw it. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Um, so he's kind of... But he's not doing these. It is pity, yeah. So really good racing. Jason West is just showing he's the real deal now. And uh, and so did he slow in the end because Blumenfeld still put forty seconds in the run. He did. They were basically running the same pace, and then Blumenfeld um, was sort of kept it consistent. Jason West, I think, faded a bit. It was one way or the other. The gap went went out, but Jason West uh, still pretty impressive. It was a brilliant race for fourth, fifth, and sixth because. Daniel Beckengard was looking good for uh, was looking good for fourth, and then all of a sudden Sam Long sort of catching him and catching him slightly, catches him, catches him. And just as he's catching him, Denny Chevron just comes past and gasses both of them <laughs> and uh, goes in for fourth place. So really good finishing there. Okay, so any any disappointments in either race? Uh, it was mainly Gustav Eden not finishing. Gustav Eden crashed on the bike. Um, it was disappointing for the uh, the guys that got mechanicals, so Mike Phillips and Tom Bishop, and then Sam Laidlow had been sick, and so he pulled out. Uh, he might he might have done a lap on the bike or so. Um, so again, he's had an awesome Kona. Started the season really, really well with a win in, I think it was Grand Canaria from memory. I'm just sort of pulling it up, uh, and. Yeah, disappointing, pretty disappointing right where he uh, struggled on the run, but then he did win Challenge London um, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, it's, I'm really fascinated to see what's going to happen in Nice because there is no clear-cut favourite. It's going to be great. Okay, so let's let's talk about the other stuff as a part of the race. So you like the course. You thought the course was really cool. Crowds? Crowds were... you. Can't complain, you know. Um, they had a massive race on there on Saturday and then on Sunday as well. They had age groupers racing. And so the age groupers were there, but also because it was downtown, there's just people wandering around. Mm. So on the run, it looked really good. And the athletes' feedback was that it was it was fantastic as so well. So do we think, so with the PTO, I know we're going to talk about their kind of um, trajectory for next year, but with the PTO, are they going to go back to the same place every year? Um, well, in Singapore they are, so they're going to be Seems like a winner, going their it? three. They've got a th- three-year contract, so I think that was a winner of a course. And I would not be surprised. Uh, we'll talk about this a bit later, but that will probably be the maybe the grand finale there. This sort of timing, this time of the year, okay. you know, it's sort of just bef- going to be before Nice and, and Kona. It sort of makes sense about now to have the grand finale rather than <coughs> pushing that out sort of post uh, post Ironman. So that might be part of the deal why they've got a three-year contract. Um, but we'll talk about that a bit more in a, in a moment. Okay, so then some other comments. People were saying they still want some more stats. Well, yeah, I think that's what the feedback from previous race, and we had that discussion last week about what people want from from their viewing, and and the stats are, are getting better. So all the athletes had little devices on their on their backs, which was uh, GPS tracking, yep. and also it was providing heart rate. Um, I don't know, heart rate doesn't do much for me because you know they were basically giving this person's operating at X Y Z percent of their their maximum. Yep. Um, I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of interesting, but it didn't it's really... another thing to talk about. Another thing to race. talk about. Um, I did what about look, GPS tracking? Well, I looked at that. I, I didn't watch the women's race live. I just sort of fast-forwarded that the next day because I was out. The men's race, I watched the swim on the bike, and then I just watched a l- tiny bit of the start of the run, maybe the first few Ks, and the GPS data 
unsurprisingly, was jumping all over the place yep. in terms of the, the live data. Yep. Um, so they may have done some segment data as well, but I think that's going to be um, the, the sort of the going forward is what one k one to kilometer one through three right this was the average pace for christian blumenfeld versus um versus jason west um but yeah the gps data is there and they're obviously making all the athletes wear the devices and all the athletes are all also wearing heart rate monitors so you can see on a number of them if they haven't got a strap on they've got their strap around their sort of their bicep and yep. that's going to be transmitting the the data across so so one thing we've been talking a lot about is the commentary uh generally speaking it's moving in the right direction you're feeling this one yeah it was really good they had craig alexander in this time to take over from rinda carfrey and he was equally as good you know really knowledgeable yep. still really in the sport and, and knows the athletes and then they had the other two from the previous race so they had uh, sort of the the lead guy and then the other guy jack kelly who i, th- I think he just rubs some people up the wrong way he certainly didn't talk as much as what he did uh, previously but he still talks the most out of the out of the three but isn't his and, job and, yeah and he's opinionated um but man, he's he knows his shit in terms yep. of knows what the athletes are doing. Um, he's in contact with all the athletes, so he knows all the goss and the inside yep. stuff. So sometimes you're going to disagree with, w- with what he says, but um, yeah, I think it's a, a really good commentary team. And if they can, when they race next season, if they've got mul- when they've got multiple races, I just think it's going to get better and better. I do like it when you've got a female voice in there. Crowley was fantastic. Yep. Um, but I do like the female voice, and they did lots of good things. They played, you know, interviews during um, during the bike ride when it was pretty boring. They were sort of crossing across and doing interviews with um, supporters and coaches and stuff. So, and were they yeah. still doing a good job of um, showing the whole race, not just the front of the race? Um, well, yes and no. This there wasn't as much. It didn't seem there was much happen, as much happening, sort of from five through ten as okay. it has been previous races. So I think they've they've got that feedback. And I think they'll play it by ear. Yeah, yeah. you've got to be, and that's one of the things they said. This is why we need to have twenty in the field because then we can kind of cover the field. Yeah. If you've got forty, it's all over the shop. And all the courses are pretty easy logistically to can manage. Multi laps. Yeah. Okay. We uh, so that's pretty much it for that. So uh, we'll talk about what's happening next weekend soon. But Mount Block. Last one. I was actually um, wondering if it was going to happen with all the forest fires over there. Oh, of course, um, yeah. But it did happen, and uh, we had third place Manon Guignet, second place uh, Meredith Kessler in nine hours twenty, and an eight-minute victory for Rachel Zonkas, who I've never heard of before. But good on her. She had the fastest swim, the fifty fifty-nine. She biked five oh five, and then ran a three oh nine. So looks to me like her and Meredith possibly came together on the bike and then she put uh quite a bit of time into meredith on the run now it looks like meredith is 45 still sorry meredith's 45 yeah still now now it's not strength of field 60 64 it's not a strong pretty slow time and i don't know how hard the course is but you know when you win the pulls off a a 920 a 912 Mm. you know nothing against rachel but it's not of that stellar level but Still at 45 to be pulling off seconds. Impressive. To, to uh, the, the winner's credit, last year she did Ima Montremblant. She did nine hours 30, so in finishing in third place. So she improved by 18 minutes, and 11 minutes of that was on the bike. And uh, and she rode about 10 minutes quicker this year as well. So good on her. Um, Rachel Zilkas from the States, she's 28. And I think that ranking, world ranking of 282 is probably going to improve a bit after that. Okay, we also had Ironman 70.3 happen in Ireland. Uh, Tyler Smith, young Kiwi boy, took it out. 
it's the only reason I'm bringing up. Normally I'd just scan over the 70.3s, um, but he's back in the game. Unfortunately for him, he was trying to make the Olympics. I think that ship sailed. I think he's been sick for a lot of this year. Okay. Um, it's a real shame, but crushed everybody. Wasn't the strongest field, but he won by eight minutes. Good on him. And then Marlene Boer took out the females race. She's from Holland. So just did you know anybody, just going back to the PTO Asian Open, uh, did you know anyone doing the age group race? No. Oh, okay. So no feedback on it? No feedback. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's look at what's going to happen. So PTO have announced what they'll be doing in 2024 for their overall season. And we're seeing some some change happening. So let's break this down. So it looks like there's going to be about five to eight races, maybe 10. Uh, no detail other than Singapore at this stage. But, you know, we're following, basically October is what we're looking at to see the, the actual terrain of the year. Uh, five regional championships and a finale. Yeah, so it's basically they've they've come so up. So the with format a will be always this distance. Uh, yeah, it's well, it sounds like it will be. Okay. Um, so they basically have teamed up with World Triathlon, so it's going to be very similar to what you see with the World Triathlon series. I imagine they'll have a similar sort of point structure, and so we're going to have a world champion at the end of the ser- series. So it's going to be a legitimate world champ, world series champion. But will they have a? Will the finale be like, you know, will? Triathlons, what is it called? They're called World Triathlon. Yeah. So they've moved away from the winner of the last race. Mm. This will be the same? Uh, I, I imagine so. Um, so all will be revealed in October. What happens in the World Triathlon series is there's, it varies a bit. There's usually like six, maybe seven races, something like that. Um, and it's maybe your best four that count. Okay. But one of those four has to be the grand finale so you okay. have to do the grand finale and you get double points for grand finale. it's not double but, but it's like maybe 1.5 or okay. something like that so there's that. more value held but on that certainly more value held on that and there's more money at the grand finale as well and does it normally determine the champ well this year it's going to last year it did okay. um, so not always so I like that because I kind of yeah. you know when we went away from one race being the world champion mm. I kind of I do like it's, it's what do you choose do you choose everyone turns up on the day and the best person on the day is the champ or do you choose who's best over the season but if you can kind of do what they're doing, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds, aren't you? Yeah, so it doesn't always happen that way. Last year it did, especially for the boys. I can't quite remember what happened to the girls. This year uh, is definitely going to be pretty much winner takes all, uh, between two or three on both the men's and the female's side for the for the World Triathlon Series. So, yeah. As you were saying earlier, there will only be 20 athletes per event. And what they're saying is there'll be 16 contracted athletes and then they're going to choose four wild cards for each event. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah. When you just go top 16 in the world at the end of the year, you've got the contract. I'm not quite sure how they're going to do that. But, um, yep, 20 athletes. I think but, that's good. But do you imagine every athlete, let's say there's eight races, not everyone's going to do eight races. No, no. So they'll scale down. Yeah, and then you'll just get all your wild cards and, your, and you'll scroll down. But you might have 16 that are going to get preferential treatment to turn up to races, you know, travel assistance to make it like basically a no-brainer and you kind of I guess have it, to be there. Okay, is this a problem? Sorry. Well, we'll go into the problems later on. Okay. Uh, they are partner, partnering with World Triathlon. Uh, the only thing I'd say about the the races that if they do ten races, that seems like way too many to me. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like there'll be five regional championships. So you're thinking um, European. You're thinking um, uh, North America. You're thinking Asian. Not quite sure where they're going to do the other two. Um, but they sound like. Huge. Yeah, Christchurch, yep. yep. I've got to measure out a new course. Yep. Uh, or the other, Oceania, um, yep. because I imagine they'll do one in Australia, and then there must be one else somewhere. Um, so I like the I like the look of it. Um, so let's get positive. I, it does my head in. Yes, there's going to be things that could be done better, but you see all these people moaning and groaning. What are Re- they moaning rewind about? Rewind this. We'll come to the, the disadvantage. The moaners. Rewind the this sort of maybe a year to two years. 
We didn't have any sh- bloody racing. He had some 70.3 races. Oh, and we'd always complain about it. It's a pity it in our sport like, you only oh, see two sh- races a year where you get the top people playing against yeah, each other. Yeah, the regional championships, people don't turn up. There's only, we basically had 70.3 Worlds and Kona and then maybe a couple of others where you get a but few even the, turning but up. Early on, Germany pulled a field. Hmm. And the last, before PTO turned up, even the Germany yeah. wasn't getting that good a field. So people, let's get positive. Yeah, we can have a little things, but yeah, you can improve on. But bloody hell. Most of this is awesome. We're going to see some fantastic racing. Most of this racing we've seen, seen this season has been really, really good. Um, you're going to get those head-to-heads consistently. You're going to get a narrative through the season. Well, and the narrative, you know, I often talk about how much I love NRL. And NRL is really fascinating this season because you've got all these guys, all these teams who are playing for top eight. And, you know, it's just a really interesting dynamic. And we're going to see that. You know, you're going to get, you, as you, you work through the season, you're going to see this dynamic of who's actually going to be the players in the game. And so with the World Triathlon Series for me, every race you go into, you're going to go, can Hayden Wilde beat Alex Yee? Yeah. Can ha- and that's the thing. Like, and the, you, you won't have everybody turning up to everybody, every race, but we'll have a number of occasions where it'll be Blumenfeld versus Eden versus Laidlow. So it's going to be great. Uh, bit of money, you know, it's fantastic. The Just on there, if they do do eight races... Um, do you think that there needs to be some races that mean a bit more? Like, I know you're going to have the grand finale. Grand finale. But, yeah. but grand finale, will you get everyone? But if you've got eight races, as you're saying, the fields will be diluted a little bit. Yeah. And you still want a couple of races within those eight, which would maybe. Uh, I don't know. I think they're just going to have. They're, they're looking to have some variety, you know, an urban. It sounds like it. Okay. An urban race, maybe a hillier race. Yep. Uh, and so I think they'll, they'll have some variety. Well, we just. We don't want to. Like, what we're loving at the moment is in the last PTO races, everyone's here. You know, last weekend not so much, but you know we're kind of getting we are getting ninety percent strength yeah. of field. So if we have eight races, do we accept eighty percent strength of field? Yeah, it does seem too many. Yeah, I reckon five's the magic number. Yeah, in the finale because you go, you'd have two early in the season. You maybe go, you know, um, they had Ibiza this year, and then maybe have Oceania. Yep. So you'd sort of maybe go around that April, May, maybe into June. And then you'd have a bit of a lull in the middle of the season. Then you'd have not three back-to-back, but maybe about yeah. three weeks between. And then people would be, still be able to focus on So if you did, if you did five races in a grand finale, so six altogether. I'd probably say five in total. I reckon that's so enough. So four. And four, then four, your, four three best, your three best races get yeah. counted. Yeah. Okay. And one of them has to be the grand finale. So the grand finale is, is the world champs, yeah. basically. So... Um, yeah, better, it's great money. It means there's a, a, an opportunity for athletes. Peter Hemrick said after the race um, at the weekend that he was basically bankrupt at, uh, towards the end of last year. He did the PTO US Open, had a good race then, and now he's in a vo- financially viable sort of occupation. Uh, so for the pros, it's fantastic. Gives them aspirations to try to get to that next level and go, shit, there really is a career in this middle distance racing. Um, and then... I, by default, it's going to create a second tier of racing where athletes can go and do 70.3s and other events. Yeah, it's going to dilute them. They're not going to get the same coverage because they're not going to get the strength of field. But that is your development yeah, pathway yeah. as you go and do them. However, I did say to a few people I was running with last night, I said, if you were Ironman, would you, would you go, screw this, I'm not paying any prize money for any 70.3s. What's the point? We're not going to get the top guns here. Um, well, they we, paid we thirty thousand for Ireland. Yeah, we can, and some of them are fifteen up to fifty thousand. They'll go. That's an extra thirty, fifty thousand dollars per race we can have that we might not pay out. Kind of wonder what's going to happen there. But I suppose the question is, does Ironman's brand, like, if you take away the world championship, mm. where does Ironman sit for pros? Yeah, that, that, well. 
sponsorship. But does that get diluted as these guys get stronger? Um, you still, if you, as long as you win a race, people still care if you if you win a race, they'll go, yep, I'm an Ironman champion. But and all right, we'll, we'll come down to this in okay. a moment. Um, so in terms of the, the the cons, which is coming straight on to Bevan's point, there's been no mention if there's going to be an iron distance race, um, which is going to be interesting. Do they need it or not? I'm not quite sure. But there hasn't been any mention. Well, if we go back race. to what some of the, the PTO athletes are saying, the ones who aren't necessarily good at the shorter course, mm. they're saying they're a bit annoyed with what's happened because yeah. this PTO was meant to be for long course and the long course, like like a Joe Skipper. Yeah. Joe Skipper's not a bad half, but he's definitely a better Ironman. Mm. And he's kind of getting a bit screwed under the system. Yeah, he's he's going to get smoked at every single race he goes to if, yeah. he, if he does that. Um, so yeah, no iron distance. Well, they haven't said no iron distance, but there's been no, I haven't seen any murmurings of, of that. Um, but it'd be quite good to have one iron distance race, I would have thought. What if, they, what, what if they just called an iron distance? Like what, I wonder what brand they could say without saying Ironman mm. and just not make an agreement no one turns up to the Ironman World Championships and to make their own one. Yeah, it's, uh, you, just, uh, you can't have too many Ironmans. If you, um, um, and I'm thinking if you had the perfect race schedule, you're going to go a couple of, couple of the start of the season, a long course in the middle, and then you're going to have a couple more, and then there'll be Kona or, or, or Nice or wherever it is. But then you're kind of screwing rote, and, and I don't know. Do they, It's a big question. Do they need to do an iron distance race? Well, um, I, think, I think they do. Mm. And the only reason I say that is it's meant to support long distance triathletes. Mm. So if the PTO don't have that under their umbrella, and it's all basically just mid-range racing, um, you're not really helping out all your athletes. And the problem, now we'll talk about this in a second, but if, if let's say it is five races and only the top 20 athletes can make money, well then you, the, the, I know they've got their rankings at the end of the season and you make your money from that, but the, 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 the pile of money basically gets distributed to 20 athletes mm. and all the other athletes underneath it are missing out. And if you're an Ironman athlete, you get none of it. Mm. I would Personally, I would love for them to team up with Challenge Road and basically have Challenge Rote as a championship. on a Saturday, championship iron distance race on a Sunday on a sh- on a lapped course. Yep. It would be mental. Yeah, it would. That be would be it. cool because you've got to remember people can't do that many iron distance races in a year. And I would say a lot of a lot of the athletes probably only want to do two. They'll do one in the middle of the season, do yep. Rote, and then you do your end of season. Especially if they're doing lots of these races as well. Yeah. So I would love to see Rote. And then, and then could Rote the World Championships of long distance triathlon. Most, a lot of you guys haven't been to Rote. It would be mental yeah. on Sunday when you've got all the athletes plus all the regular spectators that turn up. Um, it would be cool. So um, what else did I have down here? Yeah, it's very top heavy. Um, you know, if you're a contracted athlete, you're going to be sweet. Um, to break into that sort of top 20 is going to be harder because the way the rankings work is they reward yeah, you for yeah. going to big money races and strong fields. PTO races you can't get best, in, yeah. you're screwed. The rich get richer. They know that. They've just got to work out a system to try to make Maybe that's why they put the wild cards in there. Mm. You know? The wild cards are going to go for people like... Brownlee when he's injured. Yeah, and Gustav Eden's probably ranked about bloody 5,000 on the rankings. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to put them in. So um, yeah, it is going to probably be harder but they're aware of that. They've just got to figure out a, a solution for it. Do they it. have like a, they have the 15 people and then uh, a lottery for the best of the rest. So you yeah. know what I mean? Like the last five slots go to, of the, you have to be in the top 50, let's say, yeah. and there's a lottery if you get to this race. Mm, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. There's definitely some things that need to be ironed out. Um, and yeah, I think this is really going to kill top level 70.3 racing uh, because the athletes will go, oh, I'm not doing 70.3, but I can go here and, get 15th and get the same money for, for winning a race so yeah do you think it'll kill the worlds 
Um, well, I don't know. It just depends on timing. So this year, the 70.3 Worlds, which we're going to a moment, yep. the men's field it hasn't really got any iron distance athletes um, because of the timing a couple of weeks before um, the world champs. Next year, completely <laughs> different, world champs are going to be in New Zealand. In after Kona. Or after after the Kona. Then you're going to say, well, people have shut their season down. They can't be asked. Yep. So depends on quite a few factors. So what are the keys to getting this right? Um, you've got to get the athlete buy-in. And by and large, you, you get that, I think, at the moment. You know, athletes turning up because it's in their best interest. There's money on the line. But hopefully there's people are some goodwill like if, if you're a pro athlete and you haven't got the PTO logo on your tri suit shame on you because they're pumping it, so has much has anyone money. not uh, I haven't inspected really closely okay. I'm sure it'll be a requirement to do a PTO race going forward yep. but even at all the other races you should be wearing it they're pumping your pockets with money they're doing the best they can so but I think in general there's athlete buy-in but you're going to have those grumblings from the long course athletes that yep. are Ironman focused going enough. come on Where's it, what's in it for us um, the timing and the schedule I've sort of mentioned I think that's really going to be really important to get that right but they have an athlete board they'll get it as right as they can the money does looks like it's not an issue and they can keep pumping it out um, the course design so far the season's been pretty good um, I would love to see a lapped course which has got an iconic hill each lap but you're kind of limited by where your location is so you're in Milwaukee they're all up for organising the race. If there's no hills within a couple of k's, we can't have a hill. But I'd love a lapped course that was say, what are they doing at the moment? They're doing like 10, 15k laps. If yep. you've got a hill in the middle of that, the yeah. crowd will just gravitate towards it. It'd be awesome. It'd be animal too, wouldn't it? And they've uh, they've got the crowds so far this season. They've done a really good job. You know, at all three races, they've scheduled them with events. So you've got the triathlon group there, plus you've got the locals as well. So um, I'd love to know yeah. the financials behind it. Yeah. Like, are they losing money on these races at this oh, stage? Oh, shit, yeah. They're just pumping money throughout. Yeah, but maybe like in TV, they're like in TV deals. I, I don't reckon you'd make shit on TV deals. Like, you're getting your, you're trying to get your product on TV. To make so people audience. You get sponsors. Uh, I would be very surprised if they're making much out of that, but I, that's just my opinion. Well, but when we go back to originally talking to Charles, he was like, TV's the key. Mm. But you can watch. I watch but you need a product that TV wants to pay I'm for. I'm watching it for free on their platform. But not everywhere you can. Not everywhere you can, but yeah. in New Zealand you watch it free on their platform. And then they have it up on YouTube um, the next day as well, full coverage. Mm. So. Well, they need yeah. to make money. You know, eventually it runs out. Okay, uh, coming up this weekend, Ironman Canada was meant to be on, but unfortunately it's been cancelled due to the fires that are happening there. So if you're involved with that, I hope everything's okay. But the big one this weekend is that we have the World 70.3 Champs, and it's as we were just talking about earlier, bit of a weird time, particularly for the men's race. Yeah, it is. It's just a little bit too close for, for the World Championships. So last year we had Christian Blumenfeld take it out in front of Ben Knut and Magnus Ditlev. On the females we had Taylor Nib, Paula Finlay, Emma Pallant-Brown. And yeah, $350,000 up for grabs. So that's uh, roughly half what you get at a, 70 point th uh, at a uh, PTO race. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, it doesn't, you haven't really got anybody that's focusing on the Ironman World Championships on the boys' side that's racing. I can hardly see any. So maybe Matt Hansen might be going. Sanders? Uh, Sanders, doing Sanders nice? isn't doing Nice, no, I don't not. think. Um, because he rides too much on Zwift, he probably wouldn't do particularly well you on the course. Yeah, and I think it's, he, he's focusing on, on, on half-distance racing. Okay. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who rocks up and what sort of form they're in. Christian Bielenfeld's going to be tired. Uh, Gustav Eden just looks like he's not in a great space for, for anything at the moment. So um, his 
he doesn't he's not talking up his chances at all. Sam Long raced pretty well at the weekend. Lionel Sanders um, haven't seen you know a huge amount from him against um, top quality fields. Ben Canute, Frederick Funk. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a good field. Jason West is probably the yeah. potentially the one to, to beat. He's uh, ranked number eleven down there. But I, my pick for the day is going to be Pierre Lacour, who is ranked number fifteen. Why he is a Frenchy. He's done some amazing, a couple of just random 70.3s and just annihilated it. Uh, he finished in, where did he finish the weekend? I think he finished in fifth place, maybe fourth or fifth at uh, the test event. Um, and he won a World Triathlon Series race a few weeks before that. So my money is on him to annihilate them. Okay, and the females race? Females race is, is way, way better than the boys, I think. Which makes sense because they've got another five, six weeks after. And you've got some shorter course specialists that are, that are, that are sticking with this distance. You've got Taylor Nibb, um, Paula Finlay, Daniela Reef, Laura Phillip, Holly Lawrence and Kat Matthews and Emma Pallant-Brown along with Tamara Jewett. They're your sort of top eight and I think those will be the ones that are going to be battling it out. But if Imogene Simons can race like she did at the weekend, might, maybe she'll get in the mix as well. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated to see... Daniela Reef versus Taylor Nibb because Taylor Nibb will beat her out of the swim, um, but nobody's been able to cope with Taylor Nibb on the the bike particularly well. Um, but Dan- Daniela Reef is probably one that could. Uh, so yeah, really interested to to see what happens there. And, and Daniela's been showing form recently too. You know, there was a period where we were a bit mm. like, oh, what's happening with Daniela? Mm. And this year she's been in stellar form. But she has to catch up to Nib and then put a significant time into Nib because Nib is on fire on the run as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this one goes. It should be a great race. I reckon it'll be, yeah, between Daniela Reef and Taylor Nib, but Daniela Reef. Which one's going to turn up? Uh, but then the battle for third should be really interesting, I think, as well between Laura Phillip, Holly Lawrence, and Paula Finlay. So it's um, yeah, should be the course. I had a quick scan at it yesterday. Um, it's a funny looking swim, kind of a point to point swim. It's like a, it's like a you go out, then you make a left hand turn, then a right hand turn, then another right. So yeah, it's a bit of a different different swim course. The bike course looks like it's um, lumpy, but not particularly hard. Um, the run course does look a little bit nuggety. It looks like you've got a pretty a couple of lap run course with a, a decent little climb there each lap. You probably go up. Oh, that's only feet, actually. It might not be that hard. Uh, so, yeah, interesting to see, A, what sort of coverage they do, B, what sort of racing we get. But good luck if you're over there. Very few men, that as I said, that are racing Nice. There are a number of the females, top females, also missing. Um, those mainly that raced at the weekend. So no Lucy Charles Barclay, Anne Haug or Ashley Gentle, who were um, three big contenders at the weekend. I'm curious to see, in the future, will 70.3 still have prestige? The mm. world champs, you know? And, and if we go really into the future, depending on what PTO do, what happens with the Ironman brands, Ironman brand still has the Ironman brand, which is a massive value. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious to see, like, do we see the fade away of the 70.3 World Championships? As in, you know, because when it first started, it was kind of the first couple of guys who got it, hmm. you know, they, they were champions. And then it got to the, you know, last few years, it meant something, you know, and, and the best guys were there, best girls were there, and you, you were the world champ. Hmm. This year, the men's race? The top guns are great, but I totally get what you're saying. Um, it's still not like it, a championship it, race, it, is it? Yeah. It like could. if we think of next year's finale for PTO, that will be way better than the 7.3 field. Mm, mm, you know, yep. so does that then, as the public, because, you know, the public know Ironman, the public don't know 7.3. Mm. 
So other than triathletes, does it start to lose its prestige? And what impact will that have on the age group prestige of going to these events? Yeah, um, true. Because the PTO are going to have uh, age group racing at all their races as well. And the well. finale, if you're doing age group at the finale, mm. like you want to be at that race, whereas yeah. if it's 7.3, like it'll be interesting to see if it hurts Topo next year. Mm. Yeah. Especially given it's a late season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we had uh, the... Par- oh, no, what's happening? I've got a ran- I just picked up a random race, which is on k226.com this weekend. It's called The Hard Man. It's in Ireland. 220 euros to enter. If you're looking to... Yeah, you know, if you're on a budget and you're somewhere in sort of the UK, get over there. It looks like a stunning course. Uh, it is... 173Ks on the bike um, with 1,575 metres of climbing, so a reasonable amount of climbing. And the run looks like it's got a few little lumps and bumps as well. Um, Looks like a beautiful part of the world. So go check out The Hard Man. Okay, uh, John, we had the Paris Test event. We were quite fascinated to see what happens there because it's pretty much a year till the race day in the Olympics. So a good chance for the athletes to get a feel for it. And you're saying it's quite important for qualification. So what actually happened? Very important for qualification for most countries um, because they made a really good, one of the commentators made a really good point. And I've got to say, Helen Jenkins commentating has really uh, drawn me in. I think she's fantastic. Great. Because you get athletes that are really consistent, but what you need is the athlete that can turn up on the one day and be a rock star when it comes to, to the Olympics. So consistency is really important but it's nowhere near as important in terms of being uh, being a one-day performer. Um, we had quite contrasting races, and the men's race was an absolute bore fest for the winner because Alex G absolutely oh, was really? just off the charts. Unfortunately, Hayden Wilde had a crash before the race, and he pulled out. Uh, oh, okay. And so Alex G, I reckon, and I'm never into this goat stuff, you guys know that, I reckon he is the most beautiful runner we've ever seen in triathlon. Oh, really? Why? He is just, just flows, and he's just got these long, loping strides, and just it's just perfect. Um, so, yeah, he's just class above everybody else. That being said, what I'm encouraging people to do is focus on the minor placings a lot more when we watch this racing, because the race for second was brilliant. You had like a five-way sprint oh, really? for, um, for, for second place wow. in the last, you know, Two or three hundred meters. That's what it what it came down to for. So it was, if I look at the times, forty one fifth, uh, one hour forty one fifteen was second, and fifth was five seconds behind that. Then it was only another three seconds back to the next one as well. So it was really, really just pack running, and you didn't quite know what was going to happen. So I'd say, you know, in terms of a predictor for next year, uh, if Alex G is on form. The only one who's got any shot whatsoever of matching him is uh, Hayden Wilde. And if they're both at 100%, I would certainly be putting my money on uh, yeah. Alex Yee. But people aren't always at 100%. No. And so if he's not at 100%, he's shown he is vulnerable. Well, that's always the thing when we listen to our listen, uh, uh, Legends of Triathlon podcast. You, you listen to these people who, and all of them thought they were going to win the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, and just something went wrong. You know, to, as you were saying earlier, getting it right on the day, it's an yeah. art form. So... Yeah, but Alex G certainly goes, guys, you want to beat me? It's going to be, uh, you've got to, if it comes down to a running race, the Frenchies have definitely got a chance. If it doesn't come to a running race, uh, they're in the mix. But if it's a running race, uh, it's going to be difficult. Beautiful course in, in Paris. Uh, the cobbles and stuff didn't have as much of an impact as I thought they would. Okay. A lot of the corners were quite flowing, so you didn't really get that break up, um, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, females race uh, was 
brilliant as well. You had a two-horse race on the run with uh, Beth Potter and Cassandra Bogan coming again, coming into the last couple of hundred metres, and and that was it. So yeah, all in all, it was uh, it was pretty cool. And the swim looks like it might break things up. They had a field of 65 in this race. Uh, come the Olympics, it'll be 55, and the field will be weaker as well because yep. you can't you can only have a maximum. A few countries get three athletes. A lot get, get two, two and get quite one. a few get one. So you're not going to have like five Americans on the start line. So it, there's a chance it'll get strung so out. So on the more. country scheme of things, what came out of that? Uh, not too much. I think when I look on the, the female side, I think it's like France, probably Great Britain and America maybe have three. Yeah, it, nothing changed too much. But some people I think have been shut out. Vincent Louis, uh, he was about coming back from injury and he's like a multiple world champion yeah, was yeah. just dominating for so long but the rest of the team they went third fourth and fifth so oh, it's like okay. are we going to pick a past champion who's injured mm, probably not and you've got to say for Gwen Jorgensen it's, it's got to be all over because A she didn't race but she is only focusing on the mixed team relay but they had five women in the top 16 in the okay. individual race. And you're thinking, when Jordan wasn't even remotely close to that, uh, again, would you risk picking a past champion when you've got athletes that are performing at a high well, level? Well, and, and she's a past champion a long time ago. Yes. You know, yeah. it wasn't like she was the last Olympics and she's faded away a little bit. And, um, and, and Gustav Eden? Gustav Eden, he wasn't there. But there's probably a glimmer of hope because the other two Norwegians didn't do very well in the race. Um, so when, it's when, definitely when, a long when shot. When do people have to have their teams picked by? I wouldn't have thought it's till sort of May, June time. Like okay. probably reasonably late in the piece. Because yep. from an organisational point of view, you know what country's are coming. You just don't know the, know the names. Okay, as you were saying earlier, it's all set up pretty well for the grand finale because it looks like the winner takes it all. Yep, Hayden Wild wins. He'll probably win the series. If Alex Yi wins, he'll win the series. And equally on the female side. And there's a few others in the mix as well. So uh, yeah, set up as uh, I think it's three weeks away. Okay, let's look at this week's discussion. What did you do in your last Iron Distance race that you regret? Got quite a few comments on this. Richard Swanee has got, got caught for drafting. Oh, bastard. Busted, you bastard. Says a lot about you, <laughs> says Christian. He just wanted a little breather so he can have a break. Uh, Righty-ho, Bev, Bevan's coughing up a lung. Uh, yeah, Clyde Roz says, put my socks on inside out. I think um, David Rose got taken a licorice. Licorice or liquor? Liquor? I'm not quite sure what that is. Energy gel from an aid station Ironman and Zorotti during the marathon. It was disgusting. Yeah. And good old Chuck Mame has got... Yeah, don't have to worry about Lanzarote. It's gone. Um, is Ironman Lanzarote gone, is it? Well, I don't know. Don't know. Lanzarote gone. Certainly have not fact-checked that one. No. Uh, Daniel Muller says, taking a gel from Power Bar. Power Bar gels, some of them do have a unique flavour. Okay, so Chuck Mathers is saying, couldn't find a date for 2024. It was on GCN recently. Um, they've just announced it for the 18th of May. No, yeah, there we go. So it's open. So the lens already. There's no 70.3 though. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, Craig Brighthouse not replaced my main seat post bolt prior to the event. Uh, metal fatigue meant it snapped off without a seat at 160k's, 20 kilometres standing um, to pedal to T2, slowed run a little. Okay, good old Gareth Holbrook's got he detonated. He regrets that. Yeah. Uh, Graham McGrady's, um, McCullum, sorry, he's got, I went into a portaloo in T2. How people missed the toilet by so much is beyond <laughs> I me. I did read that. It's disgusting. <laughs> so, so, so obviously, when I finally found more of toilet paper, I couldn't go waste it five minutes. It is bizarre how people can miss. <laughs> it, th those portaloos are disgusting. 
I mean, it's grossly just yeah, the amount of shit. Yeah, yeah. But shit everywhere. How do people do that? Do you think people are afraid to sit down? Oh. They don't want to put their butt on the seat. Yeah, probably. And so then what happens is they've got no direction with their butthole. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes to the Oh, it's gross. <laughs> Got to get an early Can't on make those me laugh, I'm coughing. <laughs> uh, Jez Shelgren, too much water without salt. Yeah, got to be careful that hyponatremia. Uh, what's a Biden? Bit, uh, bit on. Bit of what's drink, that? Drink bottle. Oh, okay. French word. Okay, uh, good old Chuck Mamer's got not collecting enough fresh Bidens on the bike. David Mann, he's got walk too much, really bad cramp. And once I started, I realized I could walk the cutoff. I never bothered running again. Looking back, I know after a couple of miles of walking and refueling, I probably could have run again or at least tried. Yeah, I, I think that's an experience for a lot of people, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Philippe Van Der Leeu, uh, being severely undergeared for the Swiss Man Extreme Triathlon with 4,100 metres elevation over 180k. Um, so that's a really good point. You know, a lot of people don't think about their gearing when they go to races, and it's, it is important. So you check out the course profile. Um, if you're on a pancake flat course, you want to have a really tight cassette where you know each gear change is only one. Um, one sort of sprocket up rather than sort of having two or potentially even three in some cases jumps. So good point, Philippe Vandeleu. Okay, the question I have, did you do um, Clyde Ross? Yes. Okay. Did you do Jolene Clark? No. Crank, sorry. Uh, Not going back for the midnight finish. In my defence, I was feeling very nauseous, but I still should have dragged my sorry ass down. You know what? I've never done it at Kona. All the times I've done it once. Yeah, I yeah never did once it. Or maybe once or twice. That's a big day for us. Mm. You know, for sure we're not racing, but it's it's mm. a huge day. But I kind of you go back to the room and I always have good intentions, and I lie mm. down and fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, last one I'll do is Vicky Jones rookie error straight away from my practice nutrition by using some of the on course in addition to my own collapsed at the dismount line and spent the next few hours in the medical tent with hypoglycemia. The race was going well until that point. Good old Rob Dalymore's got an interesting one. He's got he regrets accepting his slot for Kona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said, now that I've done the, the math day. on uh, what it will probably cost, uh, and then Richard's Rich wondering because he was wondering how much he actually paid. And what's interesting it was what's what you know. I came back saying weirdly, I haven't been invoiced for it yet. I took my spot in December, so I'm assuming it will come after this year's race. But he's guessing it's going to cost about fifteen hundred US to join. Yeah, well, there's, there was a different situation with Ironman New Zealand. You could sort of roll it over from one year or whatever oh, okay. it was because they had a delayed race. So um, that was when they had the whole, we're going to France and people had already qualified for Kona. So it was, um, yeah, it was all over the place. Mm. What do yeah. you regret? Um, what do I regret? Oh, my last race, I regret not hydrating enough. That was my big regret. <laughs> where, where, where was my last race is the question. Yeah. Last, it was Kona. Mm. My last regret in that, I probably didn't ride hard, hard, hard enough in the first part of the bike. Mm. Tricky took, conditions though you had. Yeah, that second year. Because I, you know, I went nine, if I've always wanted to go into nine, mm. if, it was a, if it was one year different. Oh, right, sorry, I thought you wrote, were Kona. Wrote, yep. Yeah, no, wrote. But mm. I rode too easy in the first half. And I remember a, a guy who I knew, I got him halfway, he goes, oh, I'm surprised you're with me. <laughs> uh, oh, I probably should have ridden a bit harder. Not not, not blow myself out, but mm. we didn't have power meters back in those days. No. So I was kind of doing it on feel. Mm. And... I, you know, I th- cause what did we rode? We were about five hours. It was pretty shit. Yeah. Now the diff- conditions weren't it was great. Five. And it was because I went sub nine. It must have been about. It would have been low four fifty, four fifty five, low four fifty. Yeah, think. and I was probably a ten minute, five to ten minute cycle, better cyclist than that at the time. Mm. Um, you know, and there's there's that sub nine. Imagine if you had a cube. 
Yeah, I would have done, done sub four. Yeah. Yeah, would have smashed it. Okay, this week's discussion is, uh, does going to a PT race as an age group excite you more than going to a regional 70.3 championships? Uh, would you actually travel for one of these PT event, PTO events? Oh, I want to talk about that now, but I'm not going to because it's next week's discussion. So if you want to share your thoughts on that, go to our Facebook page or look for the link on our website. John, your quiz question. How many wins has Ashley Gentle had on the World Triathlon Circuit, World Triathlon Series Circuit? So now she's crushing it with uh, 70.3s and with middle distance races. She raced uh, Olympic distance and went to the Olympics, and went Commonwealth Games, all that sort of stuff for quite a long period. How many times did she actually win? I have no idea. Now, I don't think we need to do age group of the week because okay. we're only 50 minutes in. So let's go coaches corner. corner. So you did an under-conditioned PT or FTP test to see where you're at. Now, can I ask before we even get into it, you may talk about this, but mentally, how is it different when you're in your peak? Um, well... Just not conditioned mentally for pushing is one thing. Yeah. Uh, there's the unknown of what you can actually do because yeah. so you, you don't, don't, don't have navigate it so well. Yeah. Um, and those would be the two. Uh, the, fir- the first is definitely the more important. Um, is mentally just, <clears throat> just not as fired up. Haven't yeah. done any specific preparation for it or anything like that. So that would be the the number one thing. And so, does that hurt the performance of it? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's going to depend a bit on the the nature of the athlete as well so for me a little bit other people probably a little bit more yeah. because I'm sort of fairly conditioned to to you know pushing and racing for, for a lot of years so for those of you that don't know, know heaps about power and how it all works so FTP is your functional threshold power and that's basically your one hour absolute maximum balls to the wall race effort not in a triathlon but like but in a time trial if you're just a max um, out for an hour and for, for a lot for a lot of people the way that you work that number out is you'll do a 20 minute time trial and that's what we did last week so it's 20 minutes with a really strong warm-up um and it's 20 minutes balls in absolutely everything you've got need to be convulsing and shaking at the end and uh heaving and and just about chundering and some people do chunder uh so and then you take 95% of that 20-minute time trial, and that yep. gives you an estimate of what you're, what you could do for one hour. may not be 100% accurate, but it's kind of an estimate. Other people, can you can do sort of a, a ramp test on the different platforms, whether it be Zwift, Wush, whatever. They'll all have some uh, a ramp test you can do, and that can give you another estimate. But your FTP is your one-hour maximum effort. Um, yeah, so the reason we did it last week is not because I wanted to do a fitness test and, and kind of see where I was at. It was more a case we had uh, a couple of people that wanted to do it um, or wanted slash needed to do it. One who was new, hadn't done one before. A couple of other people are focusing okay, on nice. cycling as so well. So they're going to the jungle. And <laughs> it is quite amusing when you get newer people coming. So the one guy in particular, he'd been coming for a few weeks and it's quite hard when they're new that sort of yeah. take a guess on where to set their FTP. And I had it set at for him sort of around about two two hundred and thirty. And in this test, he ended up doing like two hundred and ninety. Uh, and oh, really? when he comes this next week, it's going to be significantly harder for him in terms of getting the getting. So the he's way better right. than you thought, or was the test way wrong? better than he thought? Oh, yeah, okay. wow, that's way awesome. better. That's great. So I'm going to use myself as a bit of an example here, and and the, the sort of the idea with this this topic today is to see how big a drop off you have when you're coming from a peak, and you, when you've had quite a big break, and you're getting back into it. How to try to sort of adjust your FTP to make sure that you are operating in the right sort of zone. 
So when we did the test last week, I only managed 285 watts, um, and that was a reasonable effort for me. It was an average heart rate of 158, so I wouldn't say it was an absolute, I wasn't going to chunder, but it was a good hard effort. Um, so it's probably left sort of 5 to 10 watts on the table in terms of if I was fully invested in it. Now I would say, I, when I compare this to my where I was at before rote, I was doing it on a different bike, which I think reads a bit lower. doesn't really matter. We're just using this as an example. Yep. So got 280, 285 watts for 20 minutes. Before rote, I didn't do an FTP test, but I'm going to say I was a good 40 watts higher than that. So I was probably at about 325 to 335 watts, which I could have done for a 20-minute um, effort. So it's approximately approximately, not exact, but around about a 10% or a little bit more drop-off that I've had in basically two months. Uh, it's almost coming up to two months to the day that we raced road. Uh, so quite a big drop-off. In terms of what I've done since then, I had two weeks of very little exercise. I was on holiday, came back to New Zealand, braced for the cold, went out there, got back into it a little bit, just some general conditioning, but then I was sick for a week, completely wiped out, I think I had six days of nothing and then a few days of easing back into it and then I probably had like a week or two of sort of general conditioning. So yeah, lost quite a bit of fitness. But to give you an example, for me it was yeah, 10 to probably 10 to 13 percent drop off in FTP. Um, and that is somewhat consistent what I, with what I see with other athletes that when they're coming off their peak and they're getting back into training, around about a 10% drop off okay. in, in your FTP is what you could expect. If you're somebody that when you're having your end of season, you sort of you are a bit more consistent and you do a bit more, that drop off might be a little bit, little bit less. If you have two months completely off, um, which I didn't do, then it might be a little bit more. But what I would say with this is... Um, for me and for most people, um, there is a less of a drop-off in your sort of aerobic capacity. So what I mean by that is FTP is, is sort of your anaerobic capacity um, and of VO2 sort of above that. There, if you're an older athlete, you're definitely going to see um, you know, at least a 10% drop-off. What you're going to find with your sort of aerobic threshold, which is more around your Ironman pace and your sort of general endurance pace, then you might see less of a drop-off. So it's not quite linear. For some people it might be, but in general it's not quite linear. So when you're trying to work out your numbers, you might go, okay, I'm going to reduce my FTP by 10%, um, but when I'm looking at my sort of steady and aerobic zones, it's not going to be uh, quite as much as that. And the other thing to factor in, for me, the, uh, the difference between my pre between rope where I was really at peak and I was probably doing you know 15 hours of 15 to 18 hours of good quality training my general conditioning weeks that I do at the moment is 10 hours of pretty unstructured and, and not particularly hard training again if you're somebody that your general conditioning weeks are not as different to your pre-race weeks your drop-off might not be quite as much yeah. so main tips are um, accept that there's going to be a drop-off and adjust your numbers if you try to get back into your training and don't adjust your FTP you're going to end up nuking yourself and um, and probably delaying well, you have up to fail, you? yeah and yeah. and just going holy shit I can't keep this power up it's like well you're just not as good as what you were before so yeah. that's that's okay and just be accepting of that um, as I said it's more likely you lose more at your sort of functional threshold power numbers versus your aerobics so think okay if I'm doing some intervals I need to reduce that by 10% if there's sort of higher intensity intervals if I'm doing some general conditioning steady riding probably don't need to decrease it quite as much um, I don't think you need to go and punish yourself with an FTP test the way that I did it's kind of 
useful um, to, to do to kind of see where you're at. Um, fun in some sort of sadistic way yep. but what you could also do is go out and have a, a standard session that you kind of go and do so you can use that as a bit of a benchmark test so for example I have like a often on Tuesdays after we podcast I've got a like a one hour circuit I'll go and do and you can go and do that measure it with heart rate and power um, so one week you might go out and ride to the power that you had when you were at your peak and have a look at what's happening at your heart rate and your um, sort of perceived effort it might be before rote I'd go and do that circuit and my average heart rate might be 130 beats when I go and do it now if I try to keep the same power it might be I might find well that took me 137 beats so you know that's again another measure of how much fitness you've lost equally you might go out and just ride it to heart rate so I'll go I'll go and ride at the same heart rate that I had before rope say 130 beats and I'll see what sort of power number I produce and then adjust your zones accordingly but heart rate is Probably my last message is heart rate is really, really important. So make sure whenever you're racing, you wear your heart rate monitor. When you do your key training sessions, you wear your heart rate monitor. When you're doing intervals and you just build up that inventory of data so you know um, what Ironman heart rate should be, what half Ironman heart rate should be, and then you can that will help you to adjust your power numbers. Okay. Anything else? That's it. It's, it's, uh, How often should people do them? Uh, an FTP test? Yeah. Kind of depends. If you want to have a a benchmarking it's um yeah if you're focusing on your biking probably once a month is, is pretty good but i think from a mental standpoint really really good to do you know yeah. um number might not always go up but just learning to punish yourself if performance is your focus with your racing if you're just someone who's trying to get around the course and you're happy to just to be yep. enjoying it and you're not too stressed with um with with, with high level high level and with you know what your time's going to be if you want to punish yourself that's great but if you do, if you're looking for to taking your performance up a few notches, putting yourself in places where you can punish yourself and time trials when you're racing fairly regularly is really important. How often do you, you, you do you give it to people when they don't get around to doing it? Because it's interesting. Like my running group now, it's more recreational. You know, there are some people who take their running serious, but it's not like it's hmm. you know athletes trying to win races. But um, you know, we do our five k time trials tests pretty much every kind of every month to six weeks. Yeah. Um, and the amount of people don't turn up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the 5K runs hard. Yeah. And I'll tell them to, or, you know, A, I think I know what I can do, or B, um, you know, I could just go five, do it by myself. And, mm. and, you know, it blows my mind away. And I always talk about the importance of it because mm. it's a, a benchmark. Um, but... Well, I've got a group at the moment that are focusing on running and, um, yeah, we're getting them to go do a park run roughly every sort of three weeks or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just that mental conditioning as much as anything. Yeah, because people are afraid of hard. Mm. Yeah. Which is fine. If that's your, your mandate and, and, and you're, you're not oh, going to be pushing yourself to the limit in your races, that's fine. But um, yeah, there's, there's lots of measures you can do as well. You know, you always want to measure that heart rate because that's your indicator of how hard you've actually pushed. Yep. So, you know, with that one, when, I when, push when pretty similar. When do you get similar. to max nowadays? Me? Yeah. Um, What's the highest you see it? it? On the bike, probably 170. I mean, I probably don't get in a position where I'm really going to max that often in terms of going up a hill, going to my absolute yep. limit. But in a time trial like that, you know, I'll be getting up to the sort of mid-high 160s. And um, what about running? Uh, a little bit light, a little bit higher than that, maybe another five beats above that. I was just thinking my classes, like we've got new bikes. and Such variability though, yeah. Yeah, well, just in my classes, I can get my heart rate up to... We've got new bikes which have actually made a difference. They're a little mm. bit harder to ride. Beautiful ride, but more but more challenging. And I'm getting my heart rate up to like mid one sixties. Mm. And in a body attack class, I can definitely get up to one eighty. 
hmm. which is definitely max. Yeah. But it's only for a short moment. That's yeah. like, you know, like a, a, a 30 second effort, really. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, there's a big difference between max, max. Yeah. And, you know, really going hard with it in a training session. So the protocol for a, for a proper max sort of heart rate test with cycling and running is you sort of do a five minute progressive yep. bike ride or or, or um, run where you're sort of progressively getting faster and then at the end you're going to sprint up a hill yeah. uh, and then you'll get your max um, that's quite different to if you were say going out on a group ride and you go all in on a climb yeah. you get pretty close but you won't quite get no, the same max, level. max is different okay then uh, love your work let's go to pro oh, of the week. week we're looking at two pros we've got a female oh, no, no, got no, same pro Who's that um, pro? It'd be a pretty quick one because uh, it was just an athlete that did really well at the weekend who I'd never heard of before and he was from Poland and I always like highlighting Polish athletes because I used to go there quite often and back when I used to go they hardly had any decent athletes at all and it just so happens now they've got a couple of really good performing um, sort of pro athletes. So his name was Kasper Spitniak and he finished in 7th seventh. Seventh at the weekend. Uh, he, so he was at right the PTO the Asian Open. And it was very close as we mentioned earlier on between sort of fourth and seventh there was some 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 good close racing uh, and he also there's another polish pro called robert wilkowicki who's done really well so far this season so yeah he finished seventh in the asian open uh, he's had a couple of wins this season at challenge uh, gnanst and uh, 70.3 warsaw uh, he finished ninth at the world long distance champs only looks to be in doing long course since sort of the COVID time, so kicked it off in 2020. Because it's been so, around for a while. Like you've got his World Triathlon page here. You've always got to be careful. Like I, I never heard of this dude yeah. before. And you're thinking, often when you see these guys pop up, they're actually really new to the sport. Um, but then equally often, they've been around for a long time. So Casper has been around racing since... 2014. 20, 2012 as oh, yeah, a junior. Yeah, yeah okay, um, yeah. And all the way through, looked like he was trying to... Sort of do it was doing a lot of European Cup races, um, Polish national champs. It went to university tri champs, so doing a lot of short course race with mixed with mixed success. Um, didn't really get onto the world triathlon circuit at all. Um, went to the under twenty three world champs, but mainly doing European Cups, a few World Cups, and sort of uh, second second tier races and third tier races. So great to see that an athlete that has been plugging away for that many years at short course can now come across to, to long course and so far this season a um, couple of really good results and yeah there'll be a really good pay packet and it's great to see that we've got athletes now the diversity of countries is just massive cool, eh? a couple of polish athletes yeah. in there and when you watch the world triathlon series as well yeah you get you get the the dominant you know americans and the french, french and, and so on but you look at those fields and they are extremely diverse so it's um and, and really the, triath- the world triathlon puts a lot of money into taking the sport to, mm. to third world countries and you know all around the world mm. um developing the sport and that's part of the job isn't it yeah. that's one of the great things about olympic sport is they get a lot of money which they can mm. actually reinvest can't they mm, totally like like with the football world cup being in australia and new zealand mm-hmm. they're talking about how new zealand's going to get quite a bit of money just to get kids playing the sport again, mm. or, or or more kids playing the sport. Tommy, Tommy played football, didn't he? Oh, you played with that. To yeah. what age? Um, twelve, probably. Do you like it? Uh, he, he was all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't love it, but um. So I played. Enjoyed. I played twice. Twelve, and I was a, I was like I played rep, so I was, mm. I was I was an okay player. I wasn't a great player. Um, but then all my mates went to league. Yeah. So when I went to intermediate, all my mates played league, and I was like, I'm going to league. Yeah. And I think it's quite traditional in New Zealand today. Like, kids play soccer until yeah. about 10, 12, and then they go rugby traditionally. Yeah, I think that's 
that it's probably changing now. I think rugby's a, a dying art form. Oh, really? Well, I just, yeah. Concussion. If you're, if you're a parent, I, I, I'd be fine if Mike Tom, Tom wanted to play rugby, but for a lot of parents, it's like, it's all right, my kid getting a head injury. But let's be realistic. You're looking at the All Blacks. These guys are beasts. You know, oh. kids running into each other, they're like, they might get the odd. But that's when you're susceptible. You know, same yeah, with the, the headers with football stage. and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, did you ever play rugby? Yep. Yep. You were a lock, weren't you? No, no. I was a, a centre or, yeah, sort of somewhere in the back. So oh, no, speedy use never, never went in the forwards, that's for sure. <laughs> I was a flanker. I loved it. I loved the physical contact of it. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, didn't you? <laughs> no. Oh, I run away from people. Even, even a few years ago, about 10 years ago, I played a game of rugby league. It was a stupid idea. I was written off for six weeks afterwards. But until I got, got like injured, mm. this, oh, no, I love I love that. Oh, I love the physical con. Oh, let's have a bash up right now. You right. just, you just yeah. <laughs> 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 Okay, let's go to winger oh, of the week. Uh, Jumbo, I'm going to pull up a number and okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 18. 18? No, 19, because my August the 19th is my birthday. Okay, so, happy birthday. Yeah, well, 46. No, you've got to go again. Jamie oh, Bray. Come on, Jamie. Cyclist. Get okay, up, I'll go get back to 80. 80. Roman G. 80, 80? No, no, 18. Uh, no, he was no good. So we'll go to oh, 80. Oh, 17, sorry, I went to. Oh, I'll go to 80. Oh, okay. Lee, Lee Holland. Sorry, Roman. <laughs> Lee Holland, number 80. 13 hours and one minute of training from one hour and 40 of swimming, four hours 45 on the bike, six hours 35 of running. That's a run-dominant week from Lee Holland. 13 hours and one minute. She's from private account from Golden Bay, Western Australia, that's all I can tell you about, Lee. So, awesome work. You are our winger of the week. Okay, uh, let's go into John Swimsey. Another photo you get in this photo. You're neat, neat, right? I reckon you won't even need to this week. Oh, I, I think know. you knew you were taking the photo. So Biffin's going to comment on this. That's <laughs> how you uh, took the photo. Even, got, even your little brackets, quite yeah. a nice straight line. Nice. 300 warm-up, and then we did 350s kicking on your side, um, down, freestyle back. 350s doing a long dog drill and freestyle back. The long dog drill. What's the long dog the drill? long dog drill, your arms basically don't come out of the water. So you sort of pull all the way down to your thigh and then your recovery Push is underneath the water and uh why yeah. do you do that uh you can then you can keep your head down and you can actually watch what you're doing um rather than having to worry about what you're doing above the water and just getting a bit of a different feel for the water i always feel when i did this warm-up i felt rubbish in the first 300 kicking on your side really good at just getting your rotation um going and long dog you just get into a nice rhythm and just watch what you're doing just make sure your pull pattern's really good so i, I really important part of the warm-up then our main, first main set was to do 400 steady, and then we did 425s. When we did this, you've got to count your strokes for the first length, and then each subsequent length, you've got to do one stroke less. So I think I was doing 19 strokes for the first one, 18, 17, 16. You've really got to just sort of length things out, have a nice uh, glide, uh, really good little drill. It was 450s hard, and then we repeated that same set again. So 400, 425s, 450s. I was then cursing myself because we did 425s butterfly. Uh, and then uh, next main set was 8 100s, moderately hard. We did them on the 135, coming in on about 125. So reasonable sort of effort for current fitness. And then I was cursing myself again because then I gave us 425s butterfly on tired arms and then warmed down. I think it was about 3.2Ks. So you can't blame anyone else, can you? I can't. The, the second 425s fly was a bit of a struggle. Mm. Got through it though. Got through it. Mm, good times. Okay, team, if you want to become... Well, I'm going to oh. quiz, 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 quiz Oh, answer. that's right. You didn't put it down there. Okay, 
quiz answer. So who are we going to go with? Ashley Gentle. Ashley Gentle. She was born in 1991. So okay, so I don't 30. know much about World Triathlon. So was she, how good was she? Well, she was good. She, she was really good, but she was a bit of a crappy swimmer. So it really depended on her making the group. If the group came together and they run off the bike, she's going to do really, really well. And so she will have got some good podiums. She's but we're going def- for wins. We're going for wins. She will have got a couple of wins in there, I think. I'm going to say five. Okay. Um, and she had, she was around for a long period. So, Six. Um, no, <laughs> I think, I think scale, it, scale it back a bit. Okay, we're talking five. World Triathlon five. Series. I think she's won a lot of races, but World Triathlon Series okay. is the next level. Okay. Where are you so, uh, What are you saying? Well, I am saying uh, three. Mm-hmm. So she had... At World Triathlon level, she had 85 or World Triathlon events, 85 starts, 29 podiums. She had nine wins, but before you get excited, that's nine wins that will include things like Oceania Cups and things like that. Okay. She finished ninth at the Tokyo Olympics. Didn't yeah. realise she went. Wow. Um, okay. You've said three. I've, I've said, said five. Three. The question is, how many has she? So you you got to look through all of them, do you? Yeah, I'll just quickly scan through. She won a World Cup there. you got to do the count. She won the grand finale in Gold Coast. There you go. So that's, so that's two. The, no, that, that's first one. That's okay. one. Um, and then there's a relay. You keep counting. She okay. won the. So there's two? No, she's won one. Oh, one okay. so <laughs> far. Uh, two, Montreal yes, 2017. Two. Yep. It's not good for me so far. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. A lot of single digits here, but yeah. not. No wins. Edmonton World Triathlon Cup 2011. I think that would have been a World Triathlon Series. So count that one okay, as well. Okay, three. I need two more. You need no more. Come on, she's, she got better of time. She won the grand finale. Oh, that's junior. She was a junior world champion in 2011. Uh-huh. Whew, got it right, I think. Oh, bugger. Three. There you go. Well done. Yeah. I think so. So she's been racing since 2007. She got second at the Hamburg World Junior Triathlon Championships. I wonder who beat her there. 2007. A long time ago now. A long time ago. That's when we met Joe. Yes, yeah, I was trying to pick up Joe. Sixteen years, she's been basically a. Full she's time I've been with Joe for sixteen years. No, we officially started guessing each other in twenty eight. Mm. Interestingly, in that race, so she uh, Holly Avril took that out from Great Britain. But when I do scroll down the list uh, to see who else, Paula Finlay was in sixth place. I wonder if there's any other active athletes there. Not really. Hmm. So Paula Finlay has been around a long time as well. Okay, question for you. Oh no, let's do the wrap up and ask the question. Okay, team. So uh, let's say thank you to our patrons, um, our fantastic patrons. Scroll down, John Connor, the Camel Hendergast. We got Matthew Dingo Jones, the, the, the Dingo Girl, my baby, <laughs> and Liz Elastigirl Marshall. Okay, so if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. It's how you can support the show. If you want to get show emailed to you, down the front of that. To our front page of that website as well uh, for coaching coach John Newsom for Epic Camp EpicCamp.com for anything I do BevanJamesOz.com uh, if you want to send us any content I am taught podcast at Gmail actually John we didn't talk about one thing mm. the deaths the two deaths yeah. uh, tragically and, and the 70.3 uh, at Ireland and Cork they had two deaths in the swim horrific horrific and actually while we were doing the show today someone actually emailed what the the other interesting thing they did with that race, and I'm not trying to gloss over that one iota, it's just tragic. I mean, what else oh. can you say? Um, but they, with that race, they actually moved it from Saturday to Sunday. The weather sounded atrocious, and what they did initially, they said on the Friday, um, we're moving the swim course, and we're going to have a different setup for that. And then they went, no, bugger this, the weather's going to be so diabolical. So to the credit, they moved it to Sunday, which is... 
that is not a small undertaking. No, you don't think it could almost happen if, no. for a 70.3. And it, there's a nine man as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Okay, so so there is a statement. So um, Mark Gillespie actually sent through this email while the show was on, and this is the statement from Triathlon Iron... Uh, I mean, Triathlon Island, and they... Well, there's... Uh, Daniel Combs, the CEO of Triathlon Island. Uh, Triathlon Island is reeling from the news that Ivan Chitterton and Brendan Wall, um, athletes from the Ironman Cork event in Johan, uh, tragically died yesterday while participating in the race. Our thoughts and prayers are with Ivan and Brendan's loved ones. The triathlon community is a very close community and this loss has had a devastating effect on all of us. Triathlon Ireland is the governing uh, national governing body for triathlon in Ireland, a role which includes providing sanctions for club and commercial races to proceed. In our almost 40-year history, the sport in Ireland has had an impeccable safety record. For Ironman Cork event, in line with the normal practices, Triathlon Island technical officials attended before the start of the race to review the conditions and carry out a water safety assessment. Due to adverse conditions on the day, Triathlon Island technical officials confirmed that the race organisers that it is not possible to sanction the race. There is an investigating. Uh, oh, that's interesting. There is an investigation ongoing at this stage. It would not be appropriate for us to make any further comment only to state that Triathlon Island will provide any assistance to the authorities required. Did I read that right? So he's saying they, they basically said to the organisers, don't run the race. That might have been on the Saturday. Like Maybe. I said, that's why they shifted it to Sunday. So, Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll find out more of that as that comes on, because as I said, Mark only sent that email through. Um, but as, as John said before, more importantly, we just the love goes out to the families, because our sport's a tough sport, but no one wants our sport to bring this to people's lives. So, mm. uh, Jombo, your goss. That's my goss. Um a lot of triathlon watching over the weekend. That doesn't happen often because the time zones are Yeah, shitting. what time was it? Six o'clock at night, was it? The, the the Olympic stuff was fantastic. It was six on Thursday and Friday, but I was out Friday, so I didn't watch that. Got on a trainer on Saturday morning and watched that. Um, and then watched quite a bit of the PTO race at the weekend. So it'll be interesting um, coming up this weekend with Finland. Yeah, that it's going to be in the middle of the night for us. So probably won't yep. get too much of that action uh, on the screens. Uh, what else is my goss, Bevan? Um, Managed, went out on Saturday night and didn't go ballistic with my eating, so I'm making some progress oh, on, you, the, on the eating front. What would you, you change? What would I change? No, what did you change? Because you know me. Oh, I didn't order. My, Belinda was in charge of ordering. It was like shared stuff, and I thought, shit, there's a lot of food coming out of there. But we we managed it. We managed it. It was okay. Uh, what but else? Is it, it, for me, Friday, Saturday. So Friday, I tend to eat a little bit too much. We go out for lunch. I tend to have mm-hmm. a big lunch, and then I watch a movie, have a bag of chips and mm-hmm. stickers, and then I don't eat dinner, mm-hmm. and then. And then I don't tend breakfast on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. That kind of cancels out my Friday. <laughs> and then Saturday night, I'll tend to eat too much. But outside of that, so mm-hmm. outside of your, your Saturday night dinners, where's your problem, John? Yeah, just a general bit of quantity control. Um, outside of that, Bevan, what is happening? Um, we sort of talked before, the Rugby World Cup's coming up. I'm actually sort of looking forward to that. I don't usually get into my rugby, but because it's going to be a close competition, I think it's quite looking forward to that. As I am with the, the World Athletics is on at the moment, so I might try to get a bit of a... A sneaky peek on some of that. Did you see the girls who tripped over? Yes, I did. The the, the duchies, guys, yeah. we gutted not once but twice. Yeah. That that duchy that in the the ten thousand, she is just a weapon. Like she yeah. won yeah. two or three medals at the Olympics. Did she win the five thousand and ten thousand. Yeah, and then she got in the fifteen hundred, maybe in the fifteen hundred. Yeah. She didn't win all three, but yeah, she's a weapon. And then the relay team that fell over as well, tragedy. John, here we go. There's a question we've never asked. How did you and Belinda meet? Uh, school friends. What do you mean? Well, she was friends with uh, 
if she was friends with a girl who was going out with one of my mates. And how'd you start seeing each other? When did it go from, hey, she's in the, in the friend group to, hey, you want to... When I came back from Hong Kong, we sort of kept it on ice for many, many years. You know, it was just... Right, so when you were in Hong Kong, yeah. And then I just messaged one of my mates and said, I'm on my way back in um, a few weeks' time. And he happened to be an ATM machine and just saw what, Belinda. What, he was at an ATM machine? No, he was at an ATM machine, saw Belinda, and just, you know, he was friends with her as well. And said, oh, Johnny's coming back in a few weeks. She messaged me and then... It's all on. She misses you. Yeah. She's just... Uh, yeah. How could she not resist you? Exactly. The lure of the... The, the lure of the <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's funny? The hairy chests are a fading thing, aren't they? And the reason I say this is because Joe and I have... Joe's never watched Seinfeld. Right. And it holds up. Like, it's on Netflix. So we mm. Joe never watched it. I thought, oh, let's watch a couple of episodes. And, and it's... There's some there's some subjects which mm-hmm. you're probably going to get away from nowadays, but generally speaking. But they, there was a session there. There was a show where they're all in the sauna, mm-hmm. and Seinfeld, Kramer, and George. Oh, you're right, Jerry, right. yes, and yeah, you, yeah that stage. You, mm-hmm. they, just, most mm-hmm. guys get it waxed now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a, it's a, here seems to be the enemy. It is. Yeah, I'm quite sure about that. Why is that? Humans are stupid. Yeah, I'll tell you if you want something to scar your eyes with. No, you watch Naked Attraction. I only watched it like once. And then oh, really? It was like a whoa. Because they don't leave anything to the imagination, no. do they? And there's no hair on any of those. And bodies. what's the premise? You're picking a date based off their body. They start at the ankles and work their way up, and they're like they'll you'll eliminate people. And I, I sound like I watched this program all the time. I've watched it. Yeah, we we showed some friends that because it was just comical. They start like at the ankles and you go, you want to choose somebody based on their ankles. So you're going to eliminate somebody if you don't like their ankles and then they'll come up and then you'll get full frontal of, you know, yeah. the uh, the nether regions and you can go, nah, don't like the look of that. <laughs> They're out. Goes up to the, uh, you know, the, the torso and then you choose your poo you want to go on a date So with. do you see the face? No. So no. you basically don't see the face? Yeah. And, and do you see the post-date? Uh, yeah. Well, they sort of go on a date and it either goes well. It's like a standard dating thing. It either goes well or it turns bloody ugly. Would you go on a show like that? Yeah, I'm straight on it. Straight <laughs> on it. It's, uh, it's, it's eye-scarring stuff. I actually think... Um, <clears throat> not that this should be a problem. No, no, because I actually it's think it's a good like, thing. Cause we're just not conditioned For the longest it. time, nudity was such a you know passe kind of thing. So it's it's it's. I think it's good. And thing. us Kiwis go over to France and... Well, wrote, right, everyone's and you just like, out. whoa. <laughs> yeah, we're so private here. Um, oh, that's interesting. That's what's, interesting. what's happening? What else happened, Kevin? John, my goss, uh, I've just been sick. So not, not bad. No, I've got a funny sickness because I don't feel I don't feel sick. I just am sick. Cough. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you can tell, I'm a bit fluey, a bit coffee. Um, but I'm fine to work, so that's good. Uh, might be getting a knee op. Oh. Yeah. So it's all Rob. Who's the guy from Rob? Um, lovely guy at... The old sports med mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, and he was actually a really nice guy. I've never actually worked with him before, and my back's coming along. He's really happy with that, and I've got I have got tears on my knee. Mm-hmm. And he said, "You know what? If you weren't in your job, we probably wouldn't bother." But mm-hmm. it's actually an advantage being in fitness because mm-hmm. they, they make shit happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're an everyday person, they go, oh, "You can live with this." I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I need this for my job. Good. So 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 not one hundred percent. We're doing one more because we've done all my strengthening. I've done everything right. And everything hasn't worked. Um, and so we're going to try one other injection, which I, I'd never heard of, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to try that. And then if not, I might get an op over Christmas. Cool. So time that well. And then 20 next, next year, I'll be back running. Because I haven't ran for since October. Yeah. That'll be, a, that'll be a tough one on the old muscles when you get back into it. Do you know what was really funny? When we were in Bali, 
I thought um, my back was coming right, but I was trying to take it pretty easy. But there was a we said in Ubud. Have you been to Bali? No. Like so Ubud's this kind of like nice little kind of village town, um, and there was a pretty shitty gym there, but it was all you could have. So and it was maybe two and a half. No, it was forty minute run. So maybe two. And, you know, I was going pretty slow. I run from our hotel to there. So I'd run in the morning to there, mm. like and, and like like probably six and a half, seven minute k's. It's like mm. a pod run. Um, run there, do my workout, do you know, I do some cycle training and then some weights and stuff, and then and jog back, mate. I couldn't walk. Mm. I, I was in, like, Be you can. I was in so much pain, mm. and like it was, it was a plod. Mm. So yeah, yeah. When I can get back to running, I'm gonna, I, I literally think I'll just do my what I get my gonna runners, mm. you know. Really like a four or five month journey mm. just safely rebuilding the body because like I'm, I'm fit I'm strong and and you know every other area just running oh my god mm. so that's my journey good times right John let's wrap things up I'm Russ I'm Enoch train hard train smart kia kia